Mikey Pierce. Welcome to the Cut Swords. Thank you very much. Yeah, that was a good intro as well. But it's it's lovely. I, it, honestly, it's it's beautiful down here. So thank you so much for having me on. No worries. Um, yeah, we, we laughed about that because normally I say welcome to Shoreditch, but yeah. the studio, this this is our new studio, and it's in the Cut Swords. And I'm, I'm a bit weird about what I say. I'm like, what? Well, uh, normally it's Shoreditch, but it's it's but, way more yeah. kind of outside of London. It's more kind of exotic, right down here. <laughs> yeah, I need to like turn the cottage into like a nice Airbnb so that guests can like stay for yeah. the weekend. Or well, you something. could put like a green screen behind or something like that of the fields <laughs> or the Cotswolds or something. Yeah, I could do. Um, <laughs> um, so we were just talking about Spencer Matthews randomly. Yeah. He's a good friend of mine, friend of yours. Because when um, we first talked about you coming on, I was like, clean kitchen. Yeah. I was like, that's very like clean co yes and i was like i wonder if there's because your uh your partner yeah business money from partner. um made in chelsea yeah i was like i hope there's i was like do i ask do i not ask because there might be has he nicked the name no. i didn't i didn't want to i didn't want to i didn't want to ask it was like no no so so i was a fan of this podcast by the way and i i kind of subtly i was like oh that'd be really cool to get on um and we've got this kind of PR agency who worked for us at, at Clean, and they were like, you know, I was trying to make a point. I was like, look, you've got to hustle it out and get on podcasts. You've got to message him, everything like that. So I, I kind of like messaged you, and I was like, big fan. I was, and then you were like, oh, you should come on. I was like, yes. But you, I was just saying, you were coming up everywhere on, on YouTube with like Spencer's podcast and uh, when it was KSI, everything like that. Um, but no, there wasn't anything kind of with Clean Co and Clean Kitchen. At first, yeah. there was no kind of, uh, you know, legal lawsuits or anything. <laughs> we almost had a lawsuit with someone when we started, um, but that it wasn't clean. Car. I think it's just very different. And they've actually been, Spencer has been a big supporter of Clean Kitchen as yeah. well as obviously uh, some of his family as well. So it's all very much like embedded. And when you say it, you mean an investment, some kind of investment? Uh, y- yeah, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. And they've helped out as well. They've introduced us to some people and... Uh, yeah and exposure as well i think we're going to do some pr stuff down the line with yeah. new sites and everything like that so yeah he, he's been good he's been very good I, I did actually initially first think about it because my best mate dates his sister's his, his niece or is it niece yeah it's niece and uh I, when i first launched it i was like oh i wonder if he's gonna get annoyed um but no it, it, it's <laughs> been we've been fortunate enough to not feel the wrath of spencer <laughs> I can um, <laughs> imagine him like calling me up. What the hell is this? Oh God, sorry. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, because obviously Spencer's the only person that's done my podcast twice. Yeah, totally random. Um, and yeah, yeah, you messaged me on uh, Instagram, and I can tell from the message that you're thinking of coming. Up. So <laughs> the bank over here. <laughs> no, 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 because I obviously I looked at what you do. Yeah, and I, you know, I was like, oh yeah, perfect guest. Yeah, well, perfect. hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. So um, talking of new sites. Yeah, um, how many have you got now? I've lost. I- so we've got uh, basically we, we kind of have delivery kitchens as well as first stores. of all for people that don't know. Yeah, explain what your company does. So we basically create plant-based fast food almost, but healthy. So we have stores, we have delivery kitchens, we cater for uh, kind of big offices, big corporations, production everything with that kind of goal of making plant-based food mainstream. So it's all about building people to be effortlessly vegan. Uh, For example, what we'll try and do is create something like the no duck wrap or a chicken burger that would taste exactly the same. And then the people go, oh, that's cool. This is accessible. I can get this. I can have this. And it's it's kind of designed for the meat eater to be introduced to plant-based food. So we have a mixture of stores. We've got Soho, Camden, Wembley, 
We've got Notting Hill. Uh, we're just about to open Batty Power Station, Borough Market, City, a few more. So uh, we're on the store rollout and as well as we have delivery kitchens, so Peckham, Shoreditch, that kind of cater for throughout the city. So, uh, yeah, that's what kind of what we do. That's a lot. It is, it is, but it's 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 been a kind of journey to get there, as such that we we need we kind of realise it's only been I've only kind of had it for two years, and we kind of believe in our product, and we want to be the kind of first of its kind. Yeah, um, there's not too much competition out there right now in that kind of vegan Leon meets Pret vibe. Um, so we're all about kind of taking the opportunity and just growing. Pret do veggie Pret, don't they? They do veggie Pret, yeah. Do you know what's weird is that um, when I was talking to Spencer, yeah. And we were talking about Clean Co. Mm. It, I was like, how has no one done that before? And he was saying the same. And mm. it's the same with yours. Mm, kind like, of, yeah. How has nobody done this 10 years ago on Shit. this level? And it's taken a reality guy and a YouTube star <laughs> yeah. to do and it. A reality girl and a YouTube star. No, no, I mean oh. Spencer is oh, a yeah, reality Spencer. guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Or> I was. <laughs> yeah. We don't talk about yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get a text from Spencer after this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I think that it's just veganism was always pushing and you see these big companies kind of Beyond Burger, Just Egg, these big kind of Silicon Valley plant-based brands that come out of nowhere, get these huge kind of, you know, valuations, raise a whole bunch of money to, to, to kind of combat that. But I think that there's a lot of these independent vegan stores in the UK or in the US that create really good food, but it doesn't really get shouted about. Yeah. So we've always had that mission of actually how do we make that mainstream and how do we actually then promote it to the likes of the reality stars, the influencers and all of that just to kind of build a brand that people go, okay, that's cool. Like I'll have automatically have an oat milk ca- uh, coffee. I'll automatically have a vegan chicken burger because it tastes good rather than just going, okay, I'm going to eat meat for the sake of it or eat the kind of, you know, beef burgers and things like that. So... Yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of the big boys will come to doing it. And I think there's a lot of like kind of vegan junk food spots that are growing quite quickly. But we try and make it so it's uh, breakfast, lunch and dinner that there's something for everyone. Because to capture that kind of market, I guess, is you've got to offer something for everyone, not just because like how often do you have a burger? For example, never. Yeah, never. So, so if you're just doing kind of vegan burgers or just doing them at plant, that's yeah. not going to kind of change people's way of eating. Yeah. It's really just kind of you've got to basically have that something for everyone approach and just say, look, we're hundred percent plant based. We don't care if you are or not, but our food's good. Yeah. And have you, have you found, um, well, so you're mostly in London. Yeah. Yeah. Mo- we, pretty much completely mm. until you got to do the Cotswold scene now. Yeah. No, clean Cotswolds <laughs> could be nice. I, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finding a place to stay, I'll test you. <laughs> got <Yeah>. spare room. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, if you're predominantly London, I mean that, I, there must be stats where people in the UK, well, the London in London and then the UK, I'd say more people are vegan in London, right? Yeah, we, we actually started in Brighton and we're opening Brighton and Manchester um, stores next year. So early next year, so spring next year and then summer next year. Um, but yeah, predominantly people are more inclined to it. I think if you go up north and we've got to be very careful on a rollout strategy because it's like if you hit the wrong areas, yeah, you, people aren't going to come. Yeah, <laughs> And you've just got to pick like, right, Manchester's a good bet. <laughs> Brighton's a good bet. Don't go up north to, you know, Grimsby or something like that. Have this beautiful <laughs> plant-based cafe there. Yeah. Otherwise it just won't hit. I don't just think. gets graffiti all over it every night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it's, it's, it's all about like, I, I think they say, Everything in LA comes to London eventually. Yeah. Whereas then everything from London or you know Manchester thriving at the moment then trickles out 
the rest of the UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Well, yeah. whenever I think of LA, I just think of like wokeness now. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like, that's <laughs> what do they say? If you go woke, you go broke, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, well, it's true. Like, you, you can't go into a, ca- a cafe in America and order like a normal coffee. They'll look at you like you've been shot. <laughs> you know, yeah. If you want to, uh, like, you have to be like oat milk latte or almond milk or whatever. Whereas if you want just straight dairy, you yeah. know, you're booted out. But, but if you go to Europe, like Italy or yeah. Spain, and you ask for anything like an oat latte, they're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're no, like, exactly. What is wrong with you? Mm-hmm. I asked for a latte once in Venice, yeah. and it was 3 p.m. And the guy nearly spat at me. He went, no, no. Like that. I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, no latte. Latte women in the morning. Yeah. I was like, but I want a latte. He's like, no. He just refused, flat, flat, like <laughs> refused to serve me. I was like, and I didn't even ask for oat milk because yeah. I drink oat milk. And I was like, I'm just going to get thrown in the river here. Yeah. Um, it is funny, isn't it? How it works. Yeah. Well, of course. I, and I think like, we, we always come at it when we're trialing something or doing a new product. We'll basically go, right, what's the most hardcore meat eater there is? My mate, I've got a mate, is a, like a, he's a big boy and he, uh, you know, he's a real beef burger fan and everything yeah. like that, not kind of used to the, the, the plant-based diet. And he'll always taste it first. And if he approves, we're onto something. Because yeah. then it's like, okay, that's cool, right? He, he, if he likes it, then it's more and more, I try, try it on my dad and try it on my, you know, yeah, that kind of market. So your market research is one caveman. Yeah, no, no, honestly, yeah, you, you get three, three different sort of people who always say no to veganism or plant-based food, and it's like, right, try. But I think I guess the reason why we're mainly able to make it work as well is I am. Um, I try and be vegan, but I'm yeah. not. Yeah. Um, and Verity, she is vegan. She slips up now and again, but she is vegan, and we've kind of been able to say, okay, this is not just for vegans. I wanted to kind of initially do it where we would create a really cool kind of burger store and it wouldn't tell people that it was plant-based. It was just there. And it may be yeah. at the bottom of a burger uh, uh, box. You would just say, oh, this is 100% plant-based and this is sustainable and see what people's reactions would be. It, there's a lot of kind of things that we can't do that just yet. And it's still, we're still pushing that 100% plant-based, but it's all about taste. If it tastes good, then you have it. Yeah. I mean, why can't you do that? Because you're tricking people. Tricking people, I think. And it's like a lot of people want to get involved with us is because we're 100% plant-based. Right. So okay. I want to establish the brand first. And then, you know, I was looking at the Shake Shack the other day and this huge Shake Shack in Victoria Station. And I was like, that's just a burger joint. doesn't need to say that it's vegan. doesn't need to say that it's meat. Like, it's just uh, serving burgers. Now, yeah. you know, if you can, then change perceptions that way. How, so how, what did you do at uni? Did you go to uni? So I, I, had a, I uh, tried to go to two unis, but it wasn't for me. So you, how did you go from, how old are you now, like 24? 29, I'm old. 29? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting on a bit. <laughs> 24, I'll take that, I'll take that. <laughs> um, how have you, so how have you gone from YouTuber yeah. to someone that owns like 10 to nearly, t- going on to 20 restaurants in a way? So, like, yeah, well, I sort of fell into it, like, honestly, just, just through, through kind of luck. I, I wasn't very academic, so I kind of left the two unis. I lived in China for a bit. I actually got expelled from 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 a uni, um, uh, Central London Uni, and I didn't tell my dad at the time, and I had to kind of convince him to let me study abroad in China, um, so that I wouldn't get, get told off for getting expelled to the uni. And then when I came back, I was like, look, well, I can now, you know, I've learned the real world. I've learned to work there, over there. I work for like a nightclub over there and a bar over there. And then it kind of got me into being like, look, I want to go into that kind of marketing 
of hospitality restaurants and, 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 and businesses. So then I became a YouTuber a couple of years after that, just kind of fell into it. I was a terrible, terrible YouTuber. I was my best mate, Jack and Connor, the Maynard brothers. So they've got kind of millions of, of hits and Connor's a singer. Jack's a kind of, Jack, Jack just sort of followed trends on YouTube, but right. he, he just kind of, he was just doing what everyone else used to do. Jack was used to copy it and we kind of just did that together. And then from there, we kind of got like this fake following where it was this, we were part of a bubble, a YouTube bubble, yeah. but never really, well, you know, Jack could create, he made some really good content with Connor, but like I would just kind of follow on from videos that other people did. So you, I kind of did that for a few years and was like, oh, I'm not very good. You know, I got about three, 400,000 subscribers, which was a lot of it predominantly from who I knew. So I was good friends with Joe Sahag and Casper Lee and all of those boys who have like eight, nine million um, so we used to do videos, all the, all of us as a group. And um, I was kind of in that stage where it was like, oh, God, it's it's tough being YouTube because you have no daily schedule and you're constantly kind of trialing different things of what would work or everything like that. You make some good money because you do advertisements and brand deals and everything, but you have no real like, you know, it, I always say like YouTube is like a boy band where you'll go for a couple of years and then you you properly, your views like plummet. And that was happening to me. I saw it and I didn't want to kind of be that like YouTuber who was just clinging on to, you know, like just clinging on, nothing else going for them, just taking any brand deal that you can do and just going like, you know, oh, just creating content for the sake of it. Because, yeah. um, you know, that when you do that and you're not kind of in it. So I tried to start a couple of businesses. I did a kind of sweet business that, that was pretty, pretty poor. Um, and that didn't end up going too well. It was more of a kind of merch line. Um, so then I went down to, it was lockdown. So I went down to my parents' house and I was kind of at the point where I was like, holy shit, I've got nothing to do. Um, my YouTube career now is gone. The money's dried up, got a little bit left saved over. Um, I, I kind of just, I remember doing this like walk over lockdown and I was like, I'm going to have to start applying for jobs. So I wrote out my CV. I actually went on Fiverr because I hadn't done a CV the whole time because I was a YouTuber and then went into work and I was like, all right, how do I need to structure a CV. Pushed it out to like 60 jobs in kind of marketing. I think I applied for like marketing in the government, all sorts of different PR jobs, everything. But obviously it was COVID. So there was no, no nothing going. and I got no one coming back. And I was like, oh God, I got to start something myself then. I don't want to be this like... You know, I, I remember doing a video where it was like teaching my mum TikTok dances. And, you know, I'm like 27, 26 at this point. And, you know, I was like, I can't be doing that forever. <laughs> can't be doing that forever. As much as I love my mum, I can't be dancing, doing TikTok to my mum, uh, you know, going on. So then I was like, right, well, I need to get into shape. I need to kind of get, get uh, back, you know, get that mental you know, kind of uh, stuff going. Training every single day because it was locked down. But one of the things I did was I ate, I cut out all red meat and then I actually ate a plant-based diet. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't say I was fully vegan, but my mum would cook me, instead of a, a bacon sandwich, she would cook a plant-based bacon sandwich or corn, spaghetti, you know, that kind of stuff. And then from there, I was like, oh, this is interesting. This is quite good. So then I was like kind of researching about the market and I realized that this is a really growing market. And you know, Beyond Burger are doing great things. There's This Isn't Chicken. There's all of those kind of plant-based meat substitute brands that have just come out of nowhere and are now trying to challenge the meat industry. And I was like, oh, if I can then link 
all the stuff that I know as a YouTuber and all the stuff that I know from like popular culture and how we used to do it when I used to work in the clubs, like, you know, all of that kind of music, fashion, art, film, everything like that. If I can link that with food and plant-based food and come at veganism or come at as the building a brand completely different, then there's definitely a shot to make it quite cool. So I was like, okay, well, I can't really design my own plant-based meat because I need like a quarter of a million quid investment to do that. And there was no way I was going to get the cash because of COVID. Uh, And I never really knew about the kind of investment world or anything like that. So then I was like, okay, well, let's just put it on Deliveroo. Let's just create a brand, use the last bit of money that I had from from a brand deal that came in. And I was like, I could either just go and live off that for a few months and just then go back to London. Or I could then put it into this and see how it goes. So I took on a, my best mate had a kitchen and he was like, oh, we could use this. Let's just whack it onto Deliveroo. So I gave this chef 50 quid. He was on furlough, so I had to pay him cash. And I said, come up with this basic vegan menu, but it's for everyone. Just create like chicken burgers, chicken wraps and everything. So then from there, we launched, we put it on Deliveroo and it started to grow. And I kind of put those tactics of YouTube that I did with food. So the pictures were great. The kind of the algorithms, we were working the algorithms on Deliveroo. And then I suddenly started to see this like spike in sales. And I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. And took a little shack on the beach that I paid like 300 quid for. We started to flip burgers all summer. But there was revenue there because I was like, there was it was in Brighton Beach. It, we were busy the whole time. And we were doing kind of like 10K weeks down there, which was like kind of cool. Like this is, yeah. this is, there's definitely a business here. Um, and then more and more people started to message about like, oh, look, I'm trying to be plant-based. This is really cool. Like we're getting quite a lot of like TikTok views and everything. And then I went back to London because my time in this, my parents' house was up. They were like, look, go back, but go back. And so then I was like, okay, well, there's definitely a brand here. There's a market for it. It's growing. It's in trend right now. How do then I create the plant-based McDonald's, for example, the plant-based healthier version of McDonald's? How do I then, you know, build this brand properly? But the way to do it, because we still were kind of bootstrapped, we didn't have any money on it, was to take on lots of different delivery kitchens over lockdown in pubs, in nightclubs. We used a heliport, everything like that. And I took on these all these delivery kitchens and I was like, right, let's just build this brand like online. So then I took, yeah, Battersea Heliport. We took one in Chelsea. We took a pub in in uh in fulham then we took another one in wembley like we just had any sort of kitchens we can get a hold of and i mean the we and then we started to build this kind of young team but we weren't like you know health and safety and all of that went out the window we were just like (laughs) right let's just slam it with vegan burgers almost and then we continued to build the brand online i met my business partner verity who's a reality star so she was on made in chelsea and she was but also she's got a degree at king's from in nutrition so then together we came up with a menu that kind of links breakfast, lunch and dinner, healthy with unhealthy salads, but also use, utilizing the plant-based meats. So then from there, we took on loads of different delivery kitchens that started to boom. And then I was like, shit, this is, this is really cool. Um, and we had, we did loads of influencer marketing. So we sent it to like, the Love Islanders. We did like a plant girl summer campaign, which got like, I think like 5 million impressions. And then we started to grow like that. Then we took on a site in Camden, our first one. And this is only last year. Um, we were like, okay, to make this big, and I've always dreamed of it to be the, the next kind of McDonald's or the plant-based version of kind of Pret or Leon, etc. but 100% plant-based, not just, you know, little bits and bobs. So we took on this site on Camden High Street 
And I was like, to open this site, I need to, this is a kind of a, a two-floor, two big on camera. Yeah, it's high huge. Street. I yeah. saw it, I was like, wow. It's cool, yeah, it's really, <laughs> really cool. <laughs> yeah, and this was our first site. And I was like, V, we have to, Verity, my business partner, I was like, we have to then do something different because all these brands are starting food that come out of lockdown, they started food brands. We've got to take on a site that, and then prove it there. And then from there, that's proof of concept. We can grow. So then I, I kind of had no cash to do it, obviously, apart from cash flow, but we employed a marketing manager, employed an ops manager, um, because I didn't have a clue in the kind of, you know, operational side. So I got a 50 grand loan to open the store, but the store actually cost 180 grand to yeah. do. So we just had to get deals with everyone. We were like calling up and being like, look, you know, kitchen, I'll pay you in like four weeks or everything like that. Proper ducked and dived and weaved and wheeled and deal to get this site <laughs> open. But we managed to open it. And then it kind of just took off from there. And then since then, we kind of got a lot of messages from investors. So we had the chairman of Corn, ironically, come on board and invest first. And then from there, we just kind of got approached from multiple kind of investors. Grace Beverly, she she invested in it. And then we were like, right, let's build a, a kind of, uh, you know, structure to this. Let's build a team. And then with that, we then built the team kind of built everyone kind of built a catering division opened soho opened notting hill opened wembley opened another delivery kitchen opened the catering kitchen and then obviously we took on this site and Battersea power station site which would be a three thousand square the biggest uk plant-based restaurant if i'm not mistaken and uh, we launched that in six weeks um so yeah it's been a busy busy year that's two years <laughs> yeah two years yeah in two years. yeah we, we are the fastest growing plant-based brand in the uk um but it's just about what we do now, I guess. And well, congratulations! That's very impressive. It, it's it's it, well, it's not yet. Like we haven't really achieved anything yet in terms of where we need to get to. So it's just um, we just kind of just I guess just rode our luck for the last year and a half and was like, right, we believe in this brand. Let's just try and make it as big as possible. Um, and yeah, you've done it. I mean, considering lockdown was one of those years, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, when you when, um, so that was a lot to unpack, right? Just yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry, it's a long story. The, uh, the, the, story the satellite on. kitchen thing that you were talking about. Yeah, what what is that exactly? So so a lot of brands did it over lockdown. I don't like honestly. If anyone's watching this, unless you're really really confident with your offering, I wouldn't say like set up a kitchen delivery kitchen because the market on delivery kitchens is overpriced now. Uh, they're charging fortunes for pubs no no and caught on, but we did it just as lockdown started. But what is a so you just sell like kitchen. You go say you had a, a pub and you say, Look, I'll give you I'll take a corner of your kitchen and our kitchen our first kitchen in the pub was the size of this table. Yeah. And you say, Look, I'll give you a thousand pounds a month if you let me rent it and then you have delivery drivers and put yourself on delivery Uber Eats, all yeah. of that. Um it's a great way to build a brand. Yeah. Um, but the lockdown days are gone because everyone's at home and everyone's on Deliveroo. Yeah. So we had all the ones in Brighton, all the ones in London kind of just ordering from us. Um, and it's just a good way of kind of starting a business with no capital. You have to, you can utilize their equipment. You can, you have to pay the chefs, but you can do it. You could start a brand in three, a couple of grand yeah. just by going on that. And then if it does well, then you've got proof of concept and then you can grow. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. So um, yeah, yeah, it's like quite a clever way of doing it. Yeah, it's like Airbnb for kitchens. Yeah, oh no, hundred percent. But it, it's it's the market now on delivery kitchens. There's everyone started to do it. the second lockdown. So we did it on the first, but the second lockdown, I think everyone set up a delivery brand. Like yeah. so many different like chicken brands and pizza brands popped up out of the side men. Even they started a yeah. they've 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 got a kind of delivery and fast food brand. But it's much kind of harder than people think in terms of 
there is so much when running a kind of hospitality business and running a fast food shop yeah. there's so many different uh things going on you're firefighting all day every day from 8 a.m in the morning to 10 p.m at night and it's like it's much tougher than actually people think so you see a lot of them my mates as some of them they all started delivery brands and they're not doing it anymore they do it for a couple of bits oh, like, really? yeah because you know, they're, they're cheap to set up but they're a, a ball lake to run and yeah. if you're not hitting the sales if you can't get into the delivery algorithm it's tough. It really you is start tough. getting bad reviews. Start getting bad reviews. Yeah, yeah. 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 Don't Mr. Beast do it, Mr. Beast. Mr. Beast Burger. Yeah, yeah. He's, is he that does, satellite kitchens yeah, as well? well he, I think he does all satellite kitchens, but yeah. he's got a huge following. So obviously in America. Yeah, I haven't had one yet, but I don't know. Not bad. It's not bad. Well, it's not vegan, right? It's not vegan. It's not <laughs> vegan. No. And if it's American, it's probably not meat either, is it? Probably just fat. Oh yeah, no. Hundred <laughs> percent fat. Yeah. Just like the, the the shit at the feet of like oh, yeah, cows yeah. and stuff. Yeah, and, it, and I think Mr. Beast's audience are very like they're kind of you know don't redneck care. America as well. You know, like well, I guess I guess he's kind of got like I don't know. Like, I've se- I've seen a couple of his videos. They're pretty cool. Actually. They are really yeah, cool. Yeah, but his car- hardcore fans yeah are really American. American. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know they'll obviously buy it and so much of it. They buy it over whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, so the quality isn't, I don't think, the best, but it's it's, it's like it's, it's good. Like you know, I've had a bur- it's a burger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's it's not that great, but it's it's okay. Um, you were talking earlier about um, like skills that you you brought across, mainly marketing. Mm. There's it seems like there's this huge trend of YouTubers and reality TV people, people with huge followings, basically, um, that are moving into business. Spencer's a great example yeah. of that and I know Spencer from from business not reality shows because I I missed all that I didn't really watch it um and so why do you think there's such a trend is it because all of the successful YouTubers are really good at marketing yeah I think like the look at like as much as look at like Jake Paul for example or like Logan Paul these guys are building multi-million pound media empires and they're like owning their they're smart enough to go right well I'm going to do a boxer but then I'm going to own the uh, pr- production company and I'm going to own the pr- promotion of it so I get all the rights to it and they're yeah. always constantly like you do learn as a YouTuber to proper promote yourself like you'll do anything for <laughs> like even like DM you to get on the podcast but like <laughs> it just gives you that like kind of you have to fend for yourself you yeah. cr- but also you create a business as well like I, I think that a lot of people who come out and study finance or study opening a business is they, they start their business and they raise some cash or like seed level and all of this kind of stuff. And actually what, what the YouTubers do is they go, well, we're, we're not from that round. We used to put videos on the internet and just make a bit of cash. And that actually goes, right, we'll start. They'll just go, right, fuck it. I'm just going to start my business. Um, and then I know how to market it because I'm marketing myself. I'm just going to deploy that. And then they just become, I guess, quite good at it. And then they just go for it. And I think that's maybe the, the best case with, with YouTubers. Yeah, uh, yeah. There, it, there must be a skill that you develop. I don't know if it's confidence. It sounds like you have huge confidence, and quite rightly. But um, yeah, it's marketing confidence. Yeah, and pure naivety. Yeah, it's just it's quite a good set of skills. Yeah, and I guess maybe you do it on your own as well. In terms of with YouTubers, they're usually on, on working on their own the whole time. And I guess they are actually businesses in their own right. So yeah. all those YouTubers done incredibly well. They are their their own business. So it's just that natural progression, isn't it, to to go on to maybe start a brand or or something. And they, yeah, they know self promotion because at the end of the day, as well, when you if your model works or if you you know something works, it's all about promotion. It's all about how to get this 
like for example the prime logan and care size drinks it's all they're doing is i doubt they may, i don't know if they're manufacturing but i don't i doubt they'll do the whole manufacturing side of it or anything they're just branding up a bottle of sports drink and selling it and that's all it is you know they make a margin on it distribute yeah. it out they don't take care of that but that's all what we do either as well we buy in all our plant-based food we brand it and we just try and sell it as much as possible yeah and that is kind of those service-based uh no, those, those kind of consumer-based businesses that's all you got to do and you might as well just pr the hell out of it yeah it's great because it that that skill set 20 years ago wouldn't have got you far yeah but now you can set up an amazing company and you can own everything and you know you haven't got anyone involved yeah yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's great because I, I see a trend because I'm like the next generation, I guess. Mm. But I see, I see this trend of, you know, people that have their own audience and they can use technology to utilize it and mm. stay um, self-employed in a sense where you don't have to, like you, like you said earlier, it was really interesting because you were applying for jobs, mm. you know, but you didn't want to do that. It's, I remember like the early days of Big Brother. <laughs> people would go on Big Brother They'd be super famous for a year, and then there'd be there wouldn't be anything. Yeah. Right before they had Instagram, right before they could get like a million followers, and then they'd end up going to a normal job, and it was really difficult. There was TV programs about them where it was really difficult to go to a yeah. normal job because people were like, oh, you're that guy on Big Brother or whatever, <laughs> and they're like yeah, in a like call center, yeah. you know, like which is you know fine job whatever, but but they were like it's like the crash was like crazy. Mm. Um, so it's great. I think it's great that you can become popular on YouTube or reality TV now and keep an audience and then make money from it. Mm. Because that, yeah, back in the day, you couldn't do any of that. Yeah, and I also I think it's just, I guess they're the ones as well who are the, the ones who make it on YouTube. They're the ones and the ones who push it. I mean, there's so many other people who have probably gone different routes, but they're just the ones who talk about the most and you hear about it. So there's probably loads of other people doing it, but it's just the ones like, you know, Spencer, you see him everywhere. I'm like, I think he's on the adverts now and everything, you know, yeah. doing his clean gin of the, of the cinema. I think you see him. But like, you know, he knows how to work his, his audience. He knows how to work a kind of, you know, you build a storyline around his business. And like, I guess they're the ones you kind of see as well. And, uh, you know, it's probably a, a lot of the, the kind of stuff you know they're always constant i guess as well you're you're taught as youtube is you're you're consuming content you're consuming so much of it and you're putting out so many different ideas yeah. that one's going to have to hit now if you're a youtuber you can as provided you're not sinking loads of cash into it but like you can start 15 different businesses because you've put out all of those videos hoping for that hit and the yeah. ones who blow up uh, i really kind of commend like the boys back in the day like ksi or casper who they'll do thousands of videos and thousands of new ideas to try and blow up and try and get this audience. It's the same with business. Yeah. They'll, if they do, they, they constantly having different ideas and constantly yeah. thinking one's going to hit. Um, and I think they just, I think YouTubers get that. You get that sense of that mentality of like, just give it a go and, and just see. And if it doesn't work, move quick. Well, KSI did that last weekend where he, had a, he fought two guys in one yeah, night. Yeah. I mean, KSI is the most the highest level YouTuber, yeah. you know, absolute star, you know, um, from YouTube. Mm. And even he's still having to push boundaries in his mind. Doesn't yeah. have to. Absolutely doesn't right. have to. Um, and you know, this is one of the. It's just an observation. Like, I, I, I obviously know KSI, um, and I don't know if it's a British thing, or whatever. But when you look at Kanye West if you compare Kanye West to KSI yeah Kanye West thinks he's God <laughs> where KSI has achieved so much more than anyone on the planet mm. 
and he is the most normal dude yeah right yeah. in the world he doesn't it's i don't know if it's an american thing or what but he doesn't walk around thinking he's god even though he's achieved more than anybody mm. he's still super like thankful super like normal yeah and it, i don't know if that's a uh, um, the observation is it because that when you get famous from youtube you feel a bit lucky you're like algorithm here um oh, okay i'm popular but yeah you look at americans and they walk around and they just think they're gods yeah it's the it's the bizarrest thing I, you know whenever i i speak to ksi i'm like he's just the most normal dude ever mm. and he's achieved more than anyone he's you know he's ticked every box yeah. books yeah. fighting you know youtube rapping yeah. you know music and street. like there's nothing he hasn't ticked and he's still normal mm. i just i i i, I think that's a good thing and i don't know if it's because he, he was originally a youtuber mm. And but when you compare like a star from the older generation, like um, you know Kanye West, he's just like just literally thinks he's God. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I, I think that also with with that lot as well, like YouTubers for years and years, they were always kind of seen as like they're not famous, they're just YouTubers. And I think now they're getting seen in like popular culture as these stars now. And I think maybe the TikTok yeah. generation they're probably a bit more arrogant and they're probably thinking because they know what comes with it the ca the cash and the you know the the lifestyle now whereas when these boys first did it they didn't have a clue what was going on you know they yeah. were just uploading videos and a lot of them were like and i say it's like joe suggs incredibly successful and I, I he was on stephen bartlett's podcast the other day and i texted him i was like bro you come across so nice like you're so humble and i was like you've achieved so much and he was like you, you he's made you know millions of uh, millions at such a young age and he's got all these following he, he, you know and he's always been remained so humble and always kind of sat up with something to prove because the media and i guess and the perception of a youtuber is oh, it's not really a real job and i guess you don't get let and i guess they maybe surround themselves with like lots of different people and, and things like that um but i think yeah maybe because they were just you know it wasn't it was never a big thing growing up if you can sing and you have this amazing talent you become a pop star everyone goes okay the pop stars have a certain attitude but everyone thinks youtubers are a bit like you're in the, in your room filming yourself and doing stupid challenges and stuff like that you know like it's it wasn't particularly cool back then when they first started and obviously now all the kids want to be youtubers and i guess they just haven't let it get to their heads and i think it's a real trend obviously because coming from youtube i've met so many of the kind of youtubers and no one I've ever seen is like that. What a prick! Like he's just so, such an arrogant prick. No, yeah. None of them are like that. And, and yeah. I think that that's why they've all become the ones who've become successful. They're just, yeah, just just normal kind of, you know, just feeling like lucky to be in the position. And they're constantly thanking, like, oh, yeah. they say, oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you, like, thank you for doing this. And, you know, and I think that's a, a good skill as well, I guess, to have. It is really good. I, I do like that. That's yeah. why I, I'll sit and talk with them, um, yeah. you know, happily, because I know they're not going to be, well, American. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like have an entourage. Don't need one. Yeah. Like, no. no one's going to like, you know, it's, yeah, it is quite nice. And uh, KSI is like a great example of it. Mm. I think he's just like, because he's the highest level there, there yeah. is, doesn't need money, doesn't need anything. Um, but yeah. And when I saw he, in lockdown, he came to my CrossFit gym, was training there. Mm. Um, because it was closed, obviously, but um, you know, let, I let them train, yeah. And um, he'll tell you first, you know, he wasn't fit at all yeah. back then. And then when I saw saw a picture of him at the weekend, I was like, huh, yeah, 
Like what the hell? Yeah. How do he get so ripped? Yeah. <laughs> and that's why he doesn't need to get ripped. Yeah. Like he's got everything he ever needs, but he's still that's a still a challenge. Yeah. I think it's a YouTube thing. I think you know hey, just, all, all ex YouTubers. It was a good skill to have. Like well, honestly, like you're an example actually because I watched your video. Yeah. Yeah. When I was doing all my research on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you said you went from 17, 18 stone. Yeah. To like now. Yeah. Well, I used to be. I used to be. I think I hit twenty stone at one point when I was in lockdown. I got so fat so fat and I was just this like all I do because you drink a lot I guess when you're you don't really have much schedule and you just drink and eat and everything and then I was like I had to kind of you know I was like right to, to when I was in lockdown I was, it's a good chance to lose it and then you get obsessed by it and I think maybe that's like a trait that you do have and you learn through YouTube is actually just to give something you're like all and yeah. put it all in and it's like you know, if you set yourself and challenge, I guess it's just about having that. Like KSI is an amazing mentality. Like he will, if he sets himself a challenge, he'll do it. Yeah. And I think that that's like a kind of a skill to have, I guess that makes him the number one, like his boxing thing as well. He wasn't like, I'm just not going to be an amateur. I'm just going to do one fight. No, you've got to be the best at it. And I guess you get, you learn from that as well from, uh, you know, with always constantly being, in competition with everyone, always constantly trying to be the best, I guess. You, you've just got to kind of focus on on that. And, and yeah, but I, I was speaking really fat, really fat. <laughs> when, when we were doing YouTube initially, like, I was I was kind of known as, we had a group, and our group was relatively successful, I think. Like, we used to get, our, every video that we used to do, we used to get 10 million views of all of us. So you get an audience of, of you know, per month, like 40 million views collectively who would see you. And yeah, I was, I was a big boy. So I was always now and again, but I was never, I was never consistently fat. I was just, <laughs> it was a victim of lifestyle. And every now and again, I'd just spend too much time eating burgers and going out for dinners rather than just in the gym. I've never heard anyone say I was never consistently well, fat. Well, I was a yo-yo, a massive yo-yo. I'll be, give me an, no, I'm training at the moment because yeah. we've got Batsy, but like, give, give, give me, well, after that training session, I'll be a week of being in shape and then I'm fat again. Really? <laughs> yeah. But, I, I, but when I was doing YouTube, I used to always like, I used to be known as the fat one on it. And that point, it was really unfortunate because the lead up to myself becoming a YouTuber, I was very lean, I was very in shape. And then when I became a YouTuber, I was actually much bigger. So it was more of a kind of, sort of a surprise when I, I lost all the weight and, and then and then started a, a vegan brand because everyone kind of see, saw that kind of fat side of it. And I was very much like the, the chubby one of the group. Um, and then obviously when I lost it, uh, it's more of a kind of difference. So random. Yeah. And you, I, I suppose if you have that obsessive trait and I mean, the thing is, I remember when YouTube started a long time ago, I actually mm. lived in Brighton at the time when oh, yeah. I first started watching it. Yeah. This is like back in 08, 09, something like that. And I remember the guy that I watched all the time was Sexy Phil. Do you know who that Sexy is? Sexy Phil, no. He's actually called Philip DeFranco. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Originally yeah. he was called Sexy Phil. Yeah. That was his original. And, uh, oh. He was so funny, and it, but he wasn't. He said what he wanted back then. Yeah, it was like hilarious. There's one joke I could never say now. Yeah, you know, but he was like a bit like Andrew Tate. But, <laughs> but you know, back then they got away with it, didn't they? Um, but I remember watching him all the time, watching him every day. Mm. Um, and uh, but and I used to think this guy must work so much. Yeah, to make a video a day and all these things he was doing, I I, I couldn't. I was like to be a YouTuber. Um, it's just insane work. And when YouTubers start becoming famous and I saw the amount of work they did and a lot of car YouTubers that do mm. my events and stuff, I used to really like think amazing. Like I used to admire how much work they must do because mm. also they don't know if it's going to work. Yeah. So it's, it's like, 
yeah, it's uh, it, the the obsession and the skills to become a, a really good YouTuber. I think uh, are quite rare, mm. and I think it does translate into business really, really well. Like you know, the marketing and things. Yeah, and I also think like now when you, when you're going into YouTube, back then, back when we all did it, and back when everyone started, it was you could literally just film yourself talking to a camera, and it would get maybe you know a hundred, two hundred thousand views. Whereas now it's like you you have to be the best at it and yeah. there's so much competition like you've got all the big ones putting out like full productions uh for these videos yeah. so it's like properly stepped up a level but if anyone's starting each i always say because i still get quite a few messages being like oh you know what would you give for a buddy advice you give from a buddy youtuber is like your first video is always going to be shit uh, and yeah. it's it's just getting out getting out there and you'll be better look at all of the big youtubers first video if you just start it and if you do it you can only get better just put it out don't worry about what people think i guess and it's just that having that mentality in business as well i think there's a if you've got a product if you want to start a business then you just get the first one out there it will get better like if you look i always say you know to, to anyone if we're if i'm pitching to an investor or if i'm pitching to you know talking to the, the team or whatever i always say that just just put something out just rather than just you know not being like scared or on the fence just do it we're gonna always delete it or it will always you know we'll, if it doesn't work we'll make it better yeah. and i think that's what we've always kind of learned with the youtube as well it's like just jump into it just, and then you, then you can kind of see okay that works then i can build on that yeah is that what you'd say to andrew tate that was what i can say to andrew tate is that what you'd say to him now because those uh, the uh, people edited videos from years ago yeah and you know and it, i guess that's the it was like put anything out but then it can get edited. Yeah. And like, oh, well, not, not, not like that. Like he obviously, yeah, no, be careful what you say. I think you've yeah. always got to be so careful with what you say. Like, yeah. uh, oh my God, you know, now, especially in, in, in cancel culture. What, what do you think about that whole like situation? No, I want to talk about that because it's Andrew topical Tate. and stuff, but, but people getting canceled when, cause when you started YouTube, years ago mm. no doubt you must have said something that nowadays like everyone can oh, take you for right? I'm, I'm terrified of like uh, uh, but I'm, I'm very much like obviously verity being a reality star we have a very high profile investor as well who, who used to be the, the the former ceo of mcdonald's and, and he's he's been in the press uh, he gets a lot of press as well and that's like we, we are i'm absolutely terrified of anything i said in the past or now because it is just you can say things out of context. You can say things that is, you tweet things when you're a kid and you're just like, right, just whack it up and see what happens. You do things without thinking. You'll just say it for a bit of attention because yeah. at the end of the day, all YouTubers are attention seekers. And you, you're just, then it's like put out of context. It's, you know, portrayed as, you know, something else and something different. And my best mate, Jack, obviously I went through a time with him. He was the first person to get kicked off the jungle. Um, he was a Nima celebrity. And he, he got kicked off that, and he was the first person for the tweets. I saw that. Yeah. I yeah. heard about that. Yeah. And it was like an old tweet? Yeah, like, you know, Jack, Jack is the most, he, he doesn't really do as much now in, in terms of, um, I think you spoke about it on, on uh, Stephen Bartlett, but he uh, he was he's my best man. He, he's one of my best mates, and, you know, he's the reason why I started YouTube. So we were doing all the videos together. And then he, when he was 16, he, he said a couple of things that as 16 year olds do, which was, you know, you have to apologize for, but it was a mistake and he's learned from that. Went on time, a celebrity was the first YouTuber to go onto a mainstream TV show and they all started to emerge, all these tweets. And then there was a big outcry of like, get him off the show and they, had to, they kicked him off the show. 
yeah, for, for for his tweets, and I'll show you the tweets after. I don't want to like kind of you know yeah, yeah. D- you know d- d- divide opinions don't by get banned. yeah yeah no yeah of course and <laughs> also banned already. yeah yeah but also as well like you know you got to be careful of how you sex. I don't want to support what he said when he was sixteen, but he so, was sixteen. Yeah. So it's like you know you cut the kid a bit of slack. You know he's learnt from that. This is not that's not the person that those views that he shared he is today or he ever was. It was more of a case of just immaturity, and I think that. You know he's learned from that as well, yeah. but it was it was ridiculous. And I think now, and I think more and more people have come out and had those kind of bad tweets, and people are a bit more accepting. But that was the first time, yeah. and we were going through it. Yeah, I remember because um, he was like when he first came back, there was so much more press attention on him and looking into everything that he said. Or like, I, I've had videos where I've said something in in like a sketch. We used to do these. Me and uh, Connor, my mate, we used to do these. Um, sketch comedies so when we were on youtube that was the only bit of creativity that we did i did personally but we used to write these like ricky gervais style sketches um i've deleted them now but they're quite quite amusing but we used to try try and because we our idol was ricky gervais in yeah. the office and we used to try and create these but the basically the story was that i was a terrible youtuber and i wanted to be a youtuber and but i just couldn't do it so we would do so all like those. David Brent. Da- David Brent, yeah, yeah. So we try to create this <laughs> so sort, of, sort of character. <laughs> and I used to get things wrong. I used to say things. But we said it. Like, you know, you said, like, we said some awful things. But it was funny. It was in the context of it was a sketch. Yeah. But people have clipped that on YouTube. And, you know, and then you want to try and be CEO of a business that's growing. That is, you know, you've got, we've got investors. We've got, you know, we've signed a deal to open 40 sites in the next three years. You want to make it international. But you realize, holy shit, I did all that stuff in the past. Um, that is that any other CEO would kind of have to step down for. So it's just a like you just think like you just got to be so careful now what you say. So going back to advice for someone that wants to be a YouTuber, don't put anything out. No, there. Well, well, no, no, no. I'm just saying, just go for it. Put put it out there and see. You know, put yourself on YouTube. Yeah. But now, obviously, be careful of what you say because once it's online, it's online. Yeah. But just upload it. You know, yeah. don't, obviously make sure you don't say anything bad, yeah. but just upload, up, up, upload it and, and give it a go that way. Or if you want to say things really bad, you'll get famous really fast for a few weeks and then you'll yeah. get cancelled. Yes, yeah, yeah. Which is what happened. Yeah. Yeah. With, with yeah, the Andrew Tate situation, which I don't believe in any of his views whatsoever. Yeah. Um, uh, but obviously, you know, he's saying, his, his argument is obviously that these are things that I've said and they've been clipped and everything and who knows? Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm I believe in free speech. Yeah, hundred percent. Have you signed up to his Rumble account? Isn't it Rumble? No, I haven't. No, he's. I think don't it's sign like up his... to anything. No. <laughs> I sign up to your food. Yeah, it sounds good, but I mean, none, none of that. I'm not that interested. Actually, my screen time is like down so much. Yeah. I was, I was talking to Con on the blog, and I was I didn't even wasn't even aware aware that he got cancelled until oh, really? like, like days and days after my missus told me yeah and i was like oh really i'm out of the loop because I'm, I'm trying to like you mm. know not not be on my phone much um but yeah no i believe in free speech yeah i, there's, I mean i don't you know i don't agree with a lot of people mm. you know depend on my mood as well sure. right it just depends on my mood probably um but free speech I, it's just a weird one it, yeah it, it's just a weird one isn't it i think the problem is is that like with YouTube, now you're talking about YouTubers, they, people see them as like kids in their bedroom, blah, blah, blah. You've got the establishment mm. and then you've got the social media world mm. that's coming up and starting to swallow it. Mm. And that's why they dismiss everyone. Oh, like yeah, that. yeah. 
And it's a bit like Andrew Tate just became this monster, mm. and, you know, said what he wanted. Obviously, a lot of people resonated with it, mm. right? Whatever, whatever stage of, you know, people are in their lives, right? And so they were like, well, no, no, no. So they, that's what they do, they cancel them. Yeah. You know, they kick them off because they own all the media. Mm. Um, so as more and more of this happens... It'll be interesting to see that battle between mm. the establishment and all these, you know, KSIs and all these people, you know, that are coming up and just dominating everything mm. because their audience, they just bring with them over yeah. the next 20 years and then it will just crush everything. So that'll be an interesting thing to watch and observe. Yeah, no, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it, it's just more so, isn't it? You know, now with, I, I, yeah, looking looking back, you know, when you control what you say and when that power that they have as well, like there's no TV network that gets the same amount of eyes on TikTok as KSI for us. That's why he's so powerful. And I think that there will be, I think more and more people are now starting to go, look, well, you know, I think there's been a lot of backlash on, on social media about uh, kicking Andrew Tate off. A lot of people have actually come out and said, I don't believe what he says, but I do believe in free speech. So yeah. they should let him back on. And I think that there, there is these now other social networks like Rumble and Getter are now coming up and actually they're gathering a bit of pace because it's like these individuals starting their own platforms and going, well, I'm not, not going to be part of that. Yeah. The whole decentralized thing. But we'll see, we'll see mm. what happens. No one knows the long-term effects of that though. Yeah, true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of, things that there is that's the whole like there's an impressionable people on the internet there's always kind of you know if someone is you know hitting these negative views or whatever or different views then you, you, they, there is that point that you have to be careful as well yeah there's the one thing about that um the andrew tate thing is that he became popular so quickly mm -hmm. and then once you cancel someone they've got no voice then no one's really interested I think the fascinating thing about it is that no one really knew about him mm. until it was a controversial stuff. Yeah. And so, and then now, no, you know, in three months' time, it would have been, it reminds, have you seen that documentary with the American footballer who got catfished? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, poor so, bloke. Uh, he was uh, such a nice bloke as well. If, if you're watching, go on, I can't remember the name of it, but um, it's an American footballer who got catfished yeah, uh, by some trans mate, guy. Mate, um, What's his name? Uh, uh, okay. it's a Hawaiian guy. Yeah, Hawaiian yeah. guy. Yeah, but he basically Manateo or something. Man yeah, Manateo. Yeah, yeah something like that. Um, but yeah, he got catfished, yeah. and then he went from like an absolute hero, yeah. you know, proper establishment, God, yeah. all that stuff, you know. And then overnight, he and he said he went from people going, "Oh my God, it's yeah. Manateo," to to people like, "Oh my God, that's the guy who faked his own yeah. like dead girlfriend." Yeah, and so the dynamic completely changed. It reminded me of the Andrew Tate. So everyone was like, "Oh my God, Andrew Tate!" He's like, yeah. "Have you seen what he said?" You know, a bit like Borat. Yeah. You know, a yeah. new movie Borat. You know, yeah. and and then next day he's gone, and so everyone now everyone's like, "Oh, that's the cancelled guy mm. for for saying all those horrible things." So it's it's such a it's a bit like Manateo. He mm. was like really like everyone was like, "Oh, you know, you said something funny, or I resonated, I was a laugh, it, or I got that in common with you, whatever." And then to like now everyone sees him this way. Mm. So coming back from that and the establishment having that power to cancel people in that way and mm. just take them off everything. It's, it's going to be an interesting long-term like mental health dynamic mm. and, you know, see what happens, you know, cause I mean, obviously Andrew's obviously very strong minded, you know, older, you know, he's mid thirties, you know, he doesn't really care about that kind of stuff, 
But if you do that to someone that's 20, mm. who gets really popular and then they get cut off. Yeah. And then, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens to those people. Yeah, no, of course, of course. I, I guess it's the next, like, generation of it. You know, there's always going to be you know, different victims of social media and everything. It's, it, you know, it's, so, social media builds careers, but it ruins it as quick as possible as well. It ruins it just, you know, and that, that's that's what it is. You owe a lot of your success to uh, social media. Also, you can come crashing down with it. It's, it's a bit crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it's of course. Bit, I, I, I think all of us, like every single person I know, is just terrified of just now getting cancelled. Like you can't, you, you, you know, you are just at that point where it's just, okay, you did something in the past which you put yourself online, it's going to be there forever now, you know, whatever position you get to, uh, you, you know, whether I personally or anyone wanted to run for prime minister, for example, God knows what would come out, you know, anyone who's been online, you could forge yourself a, a successful career. And I think a lot of the people who do actually then go into kind of, you know, uh, socials you know, or go into business, etc., they they do regret. Like I personally sometimes regret a lot of the stuff that I did online. Um, just by doing it because I do feel like I've always put myself a barrier in there because I can't get to where I want to achieve because I've always had that like yes things with me online or whatever and you just can't remember what you said when you were 16 but it's there yeah. and uh yeah it's it's just it's, it's an interesting one for sure yes yes it is weird mm. I'm, I'm older so yeah like, for me it doesn't bother me and in, 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 you know talking about businesses I, I just learn stuff from it mm. so it's not I'm not in the same sort of you know realm no but like you could be you could be having a conversation you know like the people who you say for example i wanted to after clean i wanted to grow clean sell clean you know build that and then go to be a ceo of uh for example uh, you know big brand big brand starbucks i would love to take on that challenge and how to try to modernize something that is is old and you know do take a big job like that I, that's that's kind of what i would like to do or maybe start another business or whatever but I don't think, you know, the person I'd be up against on, for example, going for the CEO of Starbucks is he might have said 10 times worse, but not online. Whereas we've said things online that can potentially get you cancelled and then they'd never risk it because it's like a kind of, you know, uh, you you were an influencer and you've always got that risk of being cancelled. Yeah. I mean, not everyone's like you. No, you're like, no one just says, I want to just take on the challenge of being CEO of Starbucks. Like no one says that. No, <laughs> you're no. just like that. That's just you. No, You're no. like, bro, like you could, I think you just love challenges. Like yeah. the hardest challenges possible. I reckon you'll just go for it. Yeah. Like KSI is like, I fight two guys in one night. What? Yeah, no, no, Have you course, even thought course, about this? Course. Like what yeah. if you don't make the first one? Yeah. True. Everyone's going to want their money back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah. But but it does, it, it kind of, you know, it does like, you it's know. It's crazy challenges. No, no, yeah, well, yeah, true, true. <laughs> I always said that. I was like, um, but no, but you, you know, you learn all these experience by building it. You're in, you're in the trenches all the time, building a business. And actually, when I say I can get it to uh, 40 sites, I, I hope I can scale it internationally. Then you're always looking for a, okay, right, what do you want to do after it? Do you want to go a more corporate route or do you want to start another business, et cetera, and, and, and see where you get to? But obviously the, at the corporate route, I guess, will get blocked off a little bit because of obviously being a, being a YouTuber in the past. Yeah, 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 you'd think that. But I think over time, the next sort of five, ten years, it will be so normal yeah. that people will be like, oh, it's actually a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I, I won't worry too much. I think that now or the last five mm. years maybe. Mm. But once once they see all, all these YouTubers like yourself that create these cool businesses, even like Spencers and stuff, yeah, they'll be like, oh, actually, no, these are like legit guys. So, mm. um, so talking about business, yeah. 
How many sites you got in total? So we have eight in total. Eight in total. Yeah. What's your turnover? <laughs> I can't. I can't say. I. I. I, I can't. <laughs> Why not? I can't say. I, 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 I don't really want to. Uh, just I can't really go <laughs> financials on it. <laughs> I but, said the same thing Tommy Mallet, and he went, I don't know, five hundred, maybe a mil. Like how many shoes he sells? Yeah, no, I, I can't. I can't say. But we're we're we're, we're a cash cash. Uh, we 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 you know we, we turn cash. We're restaurants and hospitality. Yeah. So it's all about uh, you know rather than some businesses are real about growing revenue at all costs. We're more about okay, right. Let's just. Build, let's turn cash. You can yeah. do much more than cash than just, you know, elaborate. elaborate I, li- I like asking that question because the actual answer doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Right? Revenue doesn't mean anything yeah. at all. Um, but I always like to ask that question just to see what they'd say. Yeah. Well, no, I, I think it'll be public. I, I think when we close our, our second year, I think that we, you know, obviously you like to show the growth. And I think this have done it. This have, uh, uh, have grown their business to, to 17 mil turnover in two, three years. Who's this? Uh, this, this. Uh, they're a plant-based brand. They're really good. They're, oh. They kind of create plant-based meat. Yeah. And in their third year, they closed. And I think they announced it like the first year they did X. Second year they did X. The third year they did 17 mil, which is seen as a great achievement for a plant-based brand. That's what kind of the where we want to get to, I guess. And, and after the, the, the yeah, so that's where we're aiming for. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. And I think it's all about, but it's it's nowhere near where we need to get to. You know, we Nando's turnover a billion. Uh, so it's globally, like, yeah, globally, yeah. But yeah. that's your restaurants. It's all about you know you, you do generate. You could easily easily do a you know an event company, for example, turn over heaps of cash. Yeah. But it actually doesn't mean anything, you know, no. because you're in the hospitality business. It's all about just driving profitability of each site and each store, and you need to prove concept before you can grow. Yeah. But it's all very glamorous at the moment because obviously there's the WeWork show and it's the uh, Uber show as well. All of this stuff. Um, all of the kind of high valuations and raising and scaling and everything is 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 all very glamorous at the moment. Yeah, but it's uh, it's it's not it's not all that it's cracked up to be for sure. You, you know, you say that's glamorous, right? I don't think it is. Maybe because I'm old school. Yeah, but I remember I know people that have asked me about um, investing money in things like, and they're like, "Oh, we're raising this much." So I'm like, "I'm yeah. like, oh, how many have you sold?" They're like, "We haven't sold anything." Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, "What are you on about?" Yeah, like, like I just like. But it's like a trendy, it just feels like it's a trendy yeah. thing. They want to say we're raising money. At this Especially, valuation, yeah. They work in Starbucks, <laughs> yeah. you know, but they're like, oh, we're yeah. raising money. Yeah. It's like... But there's, there's so many companies like that. You know, we, we're, we, we, for us, it's like we had to do all the groundwork in the first year and to get it up and running. We had to do, you know, get some good books under ourselves before we could even go to investors, you know, and that's what how investors become attracted to it. Let them come to you rather than you go to them. And I think that's what always our policy is in clean. If they want to, if they want to invest, they want to be part of the journey. If you feel like you can benefit them and we have to, because we are still quite new and we're still learning. We have to have people who are on our cap table who have done it before because yeah. to open restaurants and to, we've got, for example, the builders who do our builds, they've invested um, so they oh, do all they, the, yeah. build, the builds. We've the got outs, all yeah, the fit outs, all the yeah. fit outs. And then, uh, you know, for example, the guy who we're, we're going into retail, so Sainsbury's and uh, Tesco's, etc., on our plant-based products, the guy who's, who's done the distribution for corn, he's on our cap table. Because right. we just need to know, otherwise you just make so many mistakes. Um, so, so, so what percentage of clean kitchen do you own now? I'm, I'm still majority, so I've got a heavy, yeah. heavy share. Yeah, More than 50? uh after this round uh, around yeah well it's still good though yeah yeah it's still good considering yeah i've I've kept a good share we, we, we've um 
I've, yeah, I, I've kept a good chat and enough for me to you got kind of, you know, hopefully grow and, um, you know, not, I think a lot of the time the Leon founder, he, he came out, he sold Leon um, and he came out and they said, why did you sell? And he said, I just I had, a, he needed cash to open. Because so, we need, we're CapEx heavy. So we need to, you know, we just closed our, our like kind of uh, second funding round. But we're we're solely focusing because I have to open a you know our Bassi project, half million pound products uh, project. So I have to open that the borough market. We have to spend on capex fit outs and all this. So for us to grow, like we have to you know uh, uh, spend. And he was saying that he only had I think ten percent left or fifteen percent left or or something like that. And he said that I've made mistakes doing it, and I just don't have that like passion there anymore because yeah. this kind of percent's gone and everything. And I think that. That's the, the kind of thing. If you see a lot of these like food brands that come up, they're so good for a number of years. Founder goes and they actually just go. Like, like yeah. I think Leon's gone a bit down, etc. At the moment, I, I still think Leon's great, but you know, it used to be the food used to be always awesome. They used to have good menu choices because he just didn't. I don't think he had enough in the game. And I think it's the same thing as Joe and the Juice, the, the founder of Joe and Juice, because he needed cash to open the stores. Yeah. So then he diluted so much, and then it's uh, to the point. That is the way. Yeah, you just fall out. You're like, oh, what's the point of me doing all this? Yeah, if I yeah. Ten percent of it. But also, you learn so much as well. Like when you're starting a business and everything, you you learn so much of like, what well, if I just did it again? I, I started that and I know all that and I've done it before. And I know exactly how to run that. Yeah. You're like, I've done it so ten times better because you're you're paying for your mistakes in equity, I guess. Yeah. And I think that's the one thing you've got with a startup is you can, you know. You, you, yeah. you learn and it's sometimes you make expensive mistakes whereas if you knew before and didn't learn then you, yeah. you wouldn't yeah I, I agree I think that's why I love Modball still my first mm. company is yeah. because I own 100% of it yeah and I, I, I there were times where I would have sold some to make it bigger and quicker and stuff like that but I didn't do it mm. and I think 15 years later I still absolutely love it yeah and it's, it feels like a privilege to organise it now yeah. as opposed to where it used to feel like work that's what it's all about. And yeah, and I think that's because I own 100%. Mm. If I own 50%, it probably wouldn't exist. Yeah. It, I just don't think it would. It, it's really interesting how, how your mind changes as an owner of a company when someone else owns a share in it. Mm. I, I, I actually, I, so I was listening to your last podcast on it, and it was like the, the, the person on it uh, didn't agree with do what you love. And I, I, I kind of disagree with that a little bit because you can, there is... That, you know the, the more happier businesses and things like that you just do it because you enjoy it you know that's the yeah. thing with the reason why we we can work every single day at clean myself and verity and and everyone is because we have a team of 80 20 to 35 year olds all we've got venues that are open every day all day you know the music's pumping we have parties we have events we do everything it's like a lifestyle for all of us you know we get to go to we're going to new york in a couple of weeks to meet some investors over there we're like we get to go we got launch parties that we're just booking the djs for the launch parties of our battersea site we're thinking of quirky ideas and promo ideas and it's like you know and i saw you talk about your gym the 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 crossfit gym and you're yeah. like it's not really a you know a, a massive maker or like what you said and uh but you're like you just enjoy just enjoy doing that i think yeah. that that's like the the kind of real thrill you get from creating something that you actually ultimately enjoy doing. All the people around you are good. Yeah. And I, I think that I kind of disagree with that the, 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 on the last podcast, but maybe in a certain sense. Who is it that said it? In the last one. <laughs> oh, Iman. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. He said, I don't know how, what context, maybe, maybe I put it out of context, but it was like, if, if you're talking about it work and, and, and how the crossover of, uh, I think it's about his wife or is it you talking about the wife? 
so it was it was more of the point where it was like if it's work it won't be enjoyable if you really enjoy it then you won't enjoy it yeah probably yeah. i talk so much <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah no from yeah for it, ultimately it's passion because mm. you, you i i you can be passionate about something you don't like yeah you know um like if something you don't like you can be passionate about not liking them does that make sense yeah so i think passion is the key not whether or not you really like love doing it yeah like you're not a full vegan no. right but you're pa- i think you're more passionate about business and people and all that type of stuff and challenge mm. so i think that outweighs um the fact that you like the food as much if that makes sense yeah and i think also as well it's like the just if you just kind of embrace it like it just it's, it's give it a yeah. go you know what's the worst that can happen really happen you know and in, 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 in it you just gotta kind of go in with it and that's why i really like kind of you know the matchroom guys when they talk about their organizing the events and everything like that they just love what they do yeah and they just enjoy it because they're just you know you wake up every day you give it a go you know yeah. you, whatever happens and i think we've been able to install that uh, in clean it's like you could have the worst day the next day but if you get up the next day let's give it a shot it yeah. doesn't work doesn't work yeah and if you you know i think that that's that's really really key yeah i think i think what i discovered years and years in of of my career is that I like to create environments mm. that people can have fun in. And that's what CrossFit gyms are. That's what mm. events are and all that stuff. I, I found myself always drawn to creating environments that people can have a lot of fun in. Yeah, That's what that's what I ended up doing. And that's how, weirdly, I made money from that. Mm. Um, and obviously, but then when I made money, I invested really well. And that's how I became like wealthy in a mm. sense. I didn't, I wouldn't have become wealthy starting crossfit gyms or anything mm. like that you've got and that's one of the questions i've got for you actually you're are you ceo or yeah, yeah okay so you're ceo um but it sounds like you most of what you do is marketing side mm. i'd say right so being a ceo do you invest your capital in other things or is it purely just reinvest in the business Re- reinvest purely into the business like we we do so I don't really, I've got an MD now, which is, thank goodness, because we, you know, there's only certain time. I'll get calls at like 10 o'clock at night, you know, Mikey, we need to shut one of the delivery kitchens because the lady there has tripped over and her pants have ripped and she's got no spare trousers. I'm like, look, you know, right, there's only a certain point that. And Did that the, actually happen? I swear down, that okay. actually happened. But that was when you were in, we were in the proper trench and we'd done it for so long and I'm kind of like firefighting the whole time. So we brought in the managing director who has kind of 15 years experience, very calm, can manage people. Whereas me and V were a bit more excitable. We, you know, we follow the passion rather than, you yeah. know, structural decisions and managing people and all that kind of stuff. So he's come in who makes the predominantly decisions on the operation side. And we have just an FD as well who just says no for most things. But I live everything through clean. So in terms of we, I get my salary through clean. If I do any kind of brand deals or anything like that, that we do myself and Barry to do brand deals, we just put it all in through clean. But we don't, that, that, therefore we just get kind of everything kind of looked after through clean. I don't, I, the tax is done through cleans FD, everything like that. It's just, we're just solely focused on, on, on clean and, um, and just if it's, it's, you know, make or break for us almost with that. And I think that we, the investors like that as well, when, when people are investing into a business, they want to see the founder properly in it, I guess. And it's yeah. like, um, we are, we just live by, by it. And that's our whole kind of lifestyle at the moment, but it's only for a certain period of time. Like I'm moving into Battersea power station, um, to begin preparations for like the clean site there. Um, and it's almost like you just got to immerse yourself in it for a bit of time and then get it yeah. to a stage where you can then, I would love to invest in other businesses. I, I really enjoy kind of helping 
other people who've started businesses. And I really want to go into, um, I maybe go into VC after or something like that, or just uh, take your time. Yeah, yeah, no, but don't do that right now. No, 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 no. But like, um, but just a someone who can then go, okay, right, let, let's, you know, I, I love setting up things rather than just, um, you know, you, you get to a certain point, I guess, and then you've got to build a team rather than set up something. And actually, it's exciting to set up something, get right, to, until you can then hire an MD and FD, a head of catering, a head of HR, all of those kind of stuff. And they're not effective, they just kind of run itself. Yeah. And then you can then do the strategic decisions and stuff. But no, I, 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 can't, I can't, I can't, I'm just solely focused on clean. Yeah. yeah. With everything else. Yeah. I, I get it. I get it when you're like, you know, when you're having other businesses and things like that. But as I said, it's, it's maybe different because when you're starting something and everything like that, when you're totally in it, if I was to do something else, I'll, my eye would be off the ball and it would be, it wouldn't get to maybe where it needs to get to. Yeah. Yeah. I think the key, key to being a good CEO is to delegate everything. Yeah. Don't do anything. Yeah. It's everything. easy. It's just, and then have ideas and then put them in the system. Yeah. And then off they go. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. Yeah. And also it's like believing in your team, trusting in that team and actually going, you've hired these people for a reason. They are better than you at it. Yeah. You know, I, I always believe in, if I can just come in and try and bring in that a bit, bit of passion, bit of energy, a bit of excitement to everyone's kind of, you know, meetings or whatever, then, you know, the, the finance, you know, we, we'll create a good community. Therefore the finance department will be happy because the sales are up. Then you've got, you know, the managing director because his team are happy and then he can report to it. So it's just all about like kind of just building that foundations. And then you're also you're a prospect yourself because when you you can't, and I think with a lot of YouTubers as well, and they struggle to kind of flog their businesses and sell their businesses because they're so important to it. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas actually if you then remove yourself from it for a period of time, which is I'm doing at the moment for the next kind of three, I'm back to work on Monday, but um, you basically and then go okay well let's create this entity if we were to open a thousand stores nationwide if a, a private equity company would go right we're going to you know it doesn't matter about the founder you you've stepped out but the, the you build the infrastructure and, and now most of the time not many people know that i'm involved in clean you know they they might not they'll go to clean without having to you know knew, knew of me and verity or whatsoever um because it's just we, we decided to invest in the product and the people etc rather than just building it as as us yeah, no, it's super important because it, they, it was called the Playboy Playboy effect. Mm. Where remember Hugh Hefner? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so when he died, yeah, that was the end of Playboy. Yeah, and it's a bit because um, I, I studied that actually when I was at uni randomly oh, yeah. back in the day. And Richard Branson was another one. Mm. He was like super famous, but they were like, if he dies, Virgin dies. Yeah, and you know he had three hundred companies with the Virgin name. Mm. Um, so that's that is one thing I was always wary of. I never was on. I was never as you know part of the marketing back in the day of my ball and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, with Instagram, everyone finds out who you are and all that type of stuff. But um, I was super wary of that mm. from the beginning because I wanted like I was I was I had it prepped if something if I had a skydiving accident and mm. I died. Yeah. Like my friend Steve would keep running it mm. for years on. Um, but that's really important, especially if you're for what you're doing. Oh, oh yeah. it's 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 so important because. Uh, yeah, we we are just trying to build a business that can be as big as it can go, and it needs to be eclipse anything that I've done. It's I guess what you know the Abramovich used to do with Chelsea. The reason why they were stable for so long, obviously United got rid of Ferguson. Chelsea always had these managers, but they wouldn't. And Brighton Football Club, I always say this, but Brighton Football Club are a really good club at the moment. Yeah, big football fan, 
and Bloom's done a very and Barber done a very very good job because they create a structure and that manager that obviously Potter's a great manager and same with Chelsea but that manager can come and go but the the philosophy it stays the same yeah. and if anyone veers out of that then it's like but you're then you're making that structure in place that someone just stops in and it keeps building yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. and I think that that's what we're always so focused on is that's why I'm off now for the, I've had this like reset for the last three weeks yeah. um, to embed the new MD because it's like okay let's just see how we do if start to take ourselves out of it a little bit and yeah. then we can come back in fresher and and you're not going to become brighton football manager next year no 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 no, no. i want to try <laughs> another and, challenge. Yeah, yeah another challenge another challenge i i, I want to try and Slide. do a deal with I'm, I'm trying i'm trying to pitch to tottenham at the moment to do um to do a vegan kiosk there like a, a bringing like plant-based food to tottenham football club yeah. do a big kind of song and dance about it um, yeah. But I don't know how it would go down with the football fans. Yeah, probably Arsenal would do it. Yeah, Arsenal would do it. Yeah, and Brighton, uh, uh, Brighton, because uh, Brighton's very vegan as well. So yeah. got to target those those clubs. I doubt if you're at West Ham to do it. No, no, <laughs> Sunderland <laughs> or somewhere like that as well. No you chance. know, yeah, absolutely. No, it'd just be cobwebs all over your stand. Yeah, <laughs> no, you got to pick. You got to pick your market first. You got to pick your market. But I always say it's the taxi driver effect with vegan food. Because every time I go into a taxi uh, to, to one of the stores, I'm always like, so they, I try and get talking to them and I try and get them to the point where they ask me what I do. Because I can always see the reaction. And before, sometimes they'll be like, man, no, it's, oh, it's oh, fucking shit, you know, the yeah. plant-based food. But actually now a lot of them go, oh, it's a big market, that. and Because that, they're starting to get into it. That, and I always say, right, you wait there and uh, I'll go and get you a, a wrap or a sandwich or a burger or something like that and let me know how it tastes. And they were like, oh, mate, it's fucking good, that. <laughs> it's uh, free. Yeah, 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 well, true. But, but I guess it's like the, you know, it, more and more people are going towards that, like, plant-based food before, whereas before it was like, oh, it's a bunch of, you know, earth, like, tree huggers and things. So Clean Kitchen's been going two years. Yeah. In two years' time, where is Clean Kitchen? I think I, I, I think we'll be on forty sites in the UK. Uh, I hope, and I think we'll open a couple in the US. Uh, I want to go over to the US and try and kind of spark it up there for sure. So forty sites, as in restaurants, or is that include satellite kitchen? Yeah, no, we, we're predominantly our, our whole structure now at the moment is putting our satellite kitchen in our sites. Yeah. So all of our catering, everything's done in store on on site because yeah. there's kitchens there. You got to sweat the assets. Yeah. Rather than just taking more and more leases and things. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Do a satellite kitchen, see if the market is there for it, and then create a restaurant. Oh, yeah. No, that's what we'd, yeah. And, and also as well, you know, you, rather than now because of the, the leasing situation with all the satellite kitchens, they're so expensive. So you might as well just take a store, get a shop front, get marketing from that, get people to dine in, but also you've got your delivery business from there. And I think you, anyone who's doing hospitality, if our hospitality is tough, though, at the moment, yeah. really tough. The, the staff shortages energy bills everything like that so you have to sweat these assets as much as possible do yeah. catering orders from them do delivery from them open for breakfast lunch and dinner sell alcohol just sell everything you can to to, to, to do it and at the end of the day you've got to make them work and that's that's you got four, three different revenue streams for one site yeah how bad is the staff shortages in a minute it's tough really tough i was just why? talking to my and best mate and why brexit why? doesn't help a lot of people moved away because of the pandemic mm -hmm. uh and i think that it's just it's just a tough market in hospitality you know you had a lot of, you know before you had a lot of the french went back to to france obviously with brexit and the spanish and italians you haven't really got that as much anymore um and these energy bills th there's a real big push at the moment for hospitality to cut the fat um because there's going to be a lot of, uh, like, it's going to be a tough winter for a lot of businesses in that sector, um, you know, with the recession coming and everything like that. So 
it's it's tough out there. It's it's not the it's not when you're doing delivery kitchens in COVID and just having fun anymore. You've got it's a real like dogfight, and you're trying to think of every single avenue you can to to to, to make revenue. Um, but winter will be tough, I think. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, start like start short. Well, no one wants to earn nine pound fifty an hour anymore, do they? No, and no. drive to work for it. Yeah, is that what the wages? Well, yeah, uh, yeah. We will. I think. Well, we're. <laughs> we're above the average if anyone's watching yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> if anyone's watching and needs a job then yeah but we've been quite lucky because vegans want to vegan chefs want to work for vegan companies right so we've been able to get a lot of kind of plant-based chefs on it but my mate is having awful trouble at the moment in, in, in staff shorts. and i think maybe like the, the the furlough scheme makes people a bit more lazier covid happening everything it's just yeah it's just tough yeah, yeah. I mean, I work with a lot of hotels, mm. and they ha- they are struggling. Yeah, because people also because they don't know if something like that might happen again. Mm. So they they'll go and work somewhere for three months, and then they lose their job. Yeah, that's the other problem. The, mm. the, the job security is gone. That because everyone's scared that another. I mean, I don't think it would ever happen no. again. No chance. I mean, no. But I guess it's like back in the day as well when you used to like people used to say like you know, just stick to one business plan. Now you've got to be so flexible. Like we have to have a different approach to everything. So if, if we go into lockdown, there's our delivery. If we've got our catering, if the site's not working, we have to hammer the catering side. We've got our products into retail because it used to always have to be flexible with it rather than before you would just focus on one thing and make it amazing. Whereas now actually don't rule things out because it is, it is such a tough climate out there and we've been able to get through to, to where we are by just trying to just, just, just trialing different things and actually finding that catering is helps the stores and things like that. So it's just rather than that one approach to a, to it to, to have a little other angles, I guess. Yeah. Um. If Clean Kitchen folded tomorrow, yeah, and you had to do a YouTube fight, <laughs> who would you fight? <laughs> I would definitely do one. I think I I know I called Casper <laughs> Casper Lee out on our <laughs> group chat because there was a. There was actually a, a raffles, like it's a nightclub in Chelsea, and yeah. they were doing this one. And I was like, oh, I'd love to fight Casper. Because uh, we and him just have a little bit of a like comp- competitive edge. Josh, uh, another YouTuber, uh, he's too tall. He's like six foot eight. And, but he, he would beat me. But Casper, it's a good, he's, I'm a little bit heavier than he is, but with a similar height, it's a good fight. So Casper, I would do it. No, he wouldn't do it. He've already said it. He said, he said he's not a fighter. He's not very, I don't think he's very good at the like boxing and things he doesn't like fighting he said so he's already ruled it out oh he's so who, who else oh, i suppose ksi would be the best because he makes yeah, so much money yeah yeah but i <laughs> i mean you won't last there's levels long. yeah there's <laughs> levels to this there is levels to this like I, I, don't, I don't think i would i wouldn't make an undercard i don't think Mac, maybe, it's not right the guy who the professional fighter that ksi fought yeah i reckon you'd do him yeah i, I reckon i would as well <laughs> i reckon i would i reckon bruno my dog would do, like, yeah. take it <laughs> yeah no i Honestly, like, um, yeah, who, who would you fight if you had to call someone out? Oh, I don't know. What, in boxing? Boxing. Oh, I've, I've uh, not done boxing that much. Only jiu-jitsu. But no, but you've got to change. Fight to like... Spencer? You've got a good fight, though. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Spencer. Yeah. Like, I, I like Spencer. I don't know. I don't really... I haven't not really thought about it, actually. No? No, I don't know. Like... Are you asking who I'd like to punch? Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> who would you like to go go six rounds in? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. There's no one that I really want to fight. I don't know. Stephen Bartlett, the two podcasters. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> I, I like Stephen actually. Like, 
No, I kind of like I like most people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't really follow one that annoys me. Who annoys me? There must be somebody that annoys Andrew me. Andrew Tate. Would you? No, would you go? I kind of honestly. <laughs> some of the stuff I like what he says. Yeah, genuinely, I like. I think like he does a lot for like younger. He gets people off their ass. Agreed. Yeah. Okay, and I like that. Right. Yeah. I, I, obviously, he says lots of different things. You know, mm. but it. And I'm not obviously don't agree with a lot of that stuff, but. But he, I like that he gets lazy people off their asses, yeah. and that's it was really important because people ask me questions all the time, and they're basically asking me how to get them off their ass. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't make videos or anything about that, and it's you need people like him to do that for for younger guys. I yeah. don't can't speak for women, but he, you know he and he does that. So um, I, he doesn't annoy, annoy me at all. Some of the stuff I really like what he says, mm. you know. So. Um, but no, I don't think there's anyone that annoys me. Uh, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, actually, Crazy Steve, me and my best mate, oh, Crazy Steve. <laughs> my, no, my best mate, Crazy Steve. That would be a funny fight. Yeah. I mean, he'll do me. Would you ever definitely. do it if someone said, look, you know. Me, yeah, me and Steve. <laughs> I think, yeah, because we, we've loved each other since we were kids. Yeah. And we row, like row, and then yeah. like, it's fine. Two minutes later, it's absolutely cool. But no, I mean, it, he's bigger than me. Yeah. So I reckon and he's got longer reach, I reckon. And he's crazy. Yeah. So, right, unless crazy I had a gun. Yeah. Unless I had a gun, I don't <laughs> think it'd ever stop. Yeah. Know? But, um, no, that, no, I wouldn't. I don't know. No, nobody really. No? No. Interesting. Maybe if I was like a YouTuber and like, you know, there was... Uh, Someone giving you beef online. Someone yeah. calls you out. <laughs> I was talking about this earlier. Um, Like, a lot of women watch reality TV. I'd say yeah. majority of people that watch reality TV are women. Yeah. Um. And uh, this whole KSI and the beef and all these things, this is like reality TV for guys. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's so good. It, it's <laughs> fighting, yeah, right? Yeah. That's what we want to yeah. see people fighting. Yeah. And they're all just calling each other out and talking shit about each other. Dancing like, in the ring. It's it, entertainment. It is. It's like reality. <laughs> we need to launch a Daily Star purely yeah. for like male, <laughs> well, like reality fighting. There's like, there's, there's, there's the guy who does that for that Keem star, drama or that. No. So he is like he made it massive. He's been around for years. So he he was like the TMZ of YouTube. Really? So he would go like he would, he would get drama. Like, yeah, that, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he would get all of the like kind of you know, YouTube kids. He's like yeah. it's like forty year old bloke, and he's like, oh my god, guys, did you see this? And he's like probably <laughs> gossiping about it. But it is like uh, that, that. I said to the man, and it caused a lot of grief because I got a couple of big boxing fans in my group chat. And I was like, I tell you what, I prefer to watch this undercard. Than the normal fight on the card, any any day of the week, they had, you see it like the salt pappy. You must have saw yeah, it, right? Yeah. You were there, but he was so, he was like dancing around the ring, that, and it was like it was, and there was just slogging as well, you know, just like he had this good combo, yeah. But you know, most of the fight was just like slogging, and it was great. Yeah. It's like WWE, I guess. It is. It's like reality TV for, yeah. for the males. Yeah, the men yeah, of the like world. Yeah. yeah, we never had anything no. before. Yeah. You know, we were like sort of hanging on to like some TV shows, you know, yeah. but Wrestling. Now, now we've, now we've got it all thanks to KSI. Yeah. And Joe Weller, I think that was the first one, wasn't it? That was the first one. Kicked yeah, it all yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Even I, even I watch it now because mm. it's like, you know, you just don't know what's going to happen. It, it comes down to it. It's like, it, it just gets for use, isn't it? At the end yeah. of the day, like that's why reality TV shows are reality TV shows because it's just people fighting. And you just get views, don't you? And, and I guess that's what it's all about. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's 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 emotional pain yeah. and physical pain. That's what people like. It's a marketing thing, isn't it? Yeah. And if you can sell emotional pain, but guys like physical pain. Yeah. So 
and a bit of storyline in there as well then that's what it is yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yes it is interesting to watch so you in you in casper i like casper but i would I, I would love to fight him we, yeah. we always have these little things like five do like who could do a 5k quicker or whatever yeah. um I, I, yeah I, i'm a wuss though I, I tried a fight before and i had to wear this like massive head guard and i just remember thinking i was sparring I was just thinking, like, man, this is not. I'm doing this. I'm paying to do this. It was like one of those like box. I was getting trained. I was. I'm paying to box, and I'm getting beaten the shit out of. I'm just. This is not fun. I'm not enjoying this. I'm not learning anything. Yeah, not learning. I'm just getting beaten up. That is fucking horrible. Yeah. So yeah, but I would like to. I would like to fight Casper. Well, in the meantime, before you do that, Mm. um, I wish you all the success in your business. I think it's unbelievably impressive what you've done from the ground up. Proper Brighton. You know, yeah, little yeah. stores all the way yeah. to, in, and in two years, I can't believe it's happened so fast. Considering one year was COVID too, mm. but um, you know, about blowing smoke and stuff, it's really impressive. Uh, so, ho- hopefully, it's not. We haven't. We, we, we've got a long way to go, and I think that you, there's only a well done when you get to where you need to be. It's not at the moment we're in that growth period, yeah. and it's. I was actually thinking about it because it's like a lot of the entrepreneurs you have on here, you know, they're. Yeah, well, they're kind of a lot of the ones who speak. They've made it. We're 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 in that zone at the moment. Like I was actually listening to another podcast, and it's the Pret founder, and he was talking about when it, he was in his early days. This is our early days, so yeah. it's a lot yet to be seen. But we've yeah. we, we've had a good couple of years, and we've set up a foundation. But fingers crossed, we can just take it. But you got to come to the opening of the Battersea site. I'm in. It's we got, we're booking the DJ now. So what, any requests? What date is it? Twelfth of October. Twelfth of October. Yeah, I'll be there. Yeah. Um. Last question. Yeah. Would you say you're proud of yourself? Mm, no, not really. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I think you know you've got a lot, a long way to go. You can't. You. It's just. It's. It's just. You know, we're a London. We're a London heavy brand. Yet we need to yeah. go international. I think the person I've become. I'm. Ha- I'm happy. Like yeah. you know. I'm. I'm. I'm I get to now. I'm getting back into tennis. I play football again. I can play cricket again. Whereas yeah. you can't really do that when you're in the first year of business. You're just doing it. But I guess I'm kind of proud of the the person that I've become. When I was looking back from YouTube, I wouldn't think I'd be able to come here. Yeah. But you know, you're you're only proud when you go. You've actually achieved something, but also you've achieved kind of you've helped others or whatever. And you can kind of just then sit back and go, yeah, I've done done well there. But right yeah. now, I'm in the midst. Like I'll be fire. I'll be in a call later, and I'll be battling out. We've got to get out of this lease. You got to change this. You got to do this. <laughs> like I'm proper in the in that like startup mentality hustle at the moment. Yeah. And there is no time to be like, oh yeah, you're proud of yourself. So when we hit like ten sites, that's cool. It's great. And then when we hit like the next ten, then it's like a little bit. And when we open America or whatever, then we can be a little bit proud. But yeah. Well, what I find the reason I ask that question is because twenty years ago, someone with ten uh, restaurants or sites, they would have been. Yeah. But now in two thousand twenty-two, going into twenty-three, the expectations now of mm. people on themselves is so much higher. And I, uh, th- that's why I asked the question because because I've thought about it recently that question, mm. um, and that worries me, right? Because you see younger guys on social media, the younger guys are the ones that message me, and I think you know when I was eighteen, twenty one, whatever, the expectation wasn't you didn't need any of that stuff. Yeah, and you've done really well in such a short amount of time. You know, it probably feels like yesterday you started it to mm. you, but. 10 sites is really impressive really impressive like you should you should be proud of yourself um but yeah that that that's why i ask it because it worries me how high expectations are of people younger people now mm. yeah you know it 
and you know I, I think you should be proud of yourself because it is really impressive but it is mad the expectation on younger generation yeah uh, yeah of course I, I think that that's just yeah I, I think if you just start if you don't really kind of worry about anyone else and it's just like where you want to get to i guess but you're you're consuming so much online that people are doing well and all this kind of stuff but it's just defined of different levels of success like or happiness or being proud you know certain people might be proud like my best mate's so proud that he's just he's got a small restaurant in brighton he's just put on a caccio pepe which is his favorite italian dish so proud of it yeah. and that's since he's happy like he's happy as long as he's happy yeah. it's cool like you know me being proud is 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 you know clean being something that goes okay they did put plant-based food on the mainstream that um bought push push vegan food on the map just defines how where you sit really and i think it's, it's just people can just everyone just needs to just chill a little bit and just like just not worry about like kind of you know i've got to get to this i got to do that just got to do that as long as it makes you happy then you just gotta run with it i guess yeah just have fun yeah, have fun yeah like, literally <laughs> like, we want to we want to we want to grow because it's funner you know we get to if we start growing we get to fly private or like first class you know what i mean we're nowhere near that yet but i think i have my business partner she's my best friend as well like yeah. we're we're just on the journey together if we make more money we can spend more on a launch party if we like we just see it as that and we see it as exciting if this bassy power station does well we can launch it in new york yeah. and i think that's why because we just love it so much and it's just it's just like having it's just like messing around the whole time yeah, and we're now we've got the kind of you know boring ones to look after everything else. You we can just focus on, you know, just doing all of that kind of creative stuff that we enjoy. So, yeah, it's just a definition of being proud. I guess I'm proud of personally, but not proud of you know. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, it's just an interesting question. Yeah, it's a, you know, like twenty years ago, you asked someone that, and that as long as they got a job that yeah. they like, a job that they like doing, that was it. Mm. So it is interesting. But it's like footballer. If someone's playing in like League One who's like got aspirations to be a, a you know a Premier League player yeah. they'll say would you be proud of where you get to but like no you want to get to them you got a shot so you you know kind of try and kick on I guess but it just depends on the person isn't it yeah it's strange isn't it yeah yeah is well yeah it, it is it is it's strange <laughs> it's, it's got me thinking actually um, imagine like where you're like you don't you literally in your mind you're like I only literally have to get a job and I'm happy and I'm yeah. proud but that's the best that, way to be like my mate is so happy he, the guy who has the uh, restaurant he is so happy yeah. he's just enjoying it he's got the Cacio Pepe on now like it's a great dish that like, he's really happy about his perfect. yeah trip, trip review lives in Brighton he gets a nice couple of drinks he's super happy yeah. like, and that's probably the best way to be if you can but just you, be easily you want, pleased you want 6,000 sides 6,000 sides <laughs> that's to 1,000 McDonald's did it in 7 years we got to beat them but I guess it's just a different it's just a different like you're probably you're probably in, be meeting loads of people who who do have that same mindset mm. of it i guess and it's like you're you, you know th th it's just a lot more driven or whatever and and certain people but sometimes people are like oh i don't want to be that driven yeah. it's just how you are isn't it at the end of the day and you know i've actually find that playing tennis on a tuesday morning badminton on a wednesday cricket on a sunday and football on like a friday night i'm loving it as well yeah. like it's so much fun well you <laughs> like getting better yes yeah yeah you're addicted to getting better and I, you know i'm like that too i like play tennis i like i like mm. crossfit because you always get better mini wins all yeah. the time and that's what keep you going yeah. yeah it's interesting but it's nice that the world can provide that for a lot of people because mm. back in the day people would do one thing and that'd be kind of it but yeah, um, but yeah in interesting well look i uh thanks for the invite no yeah me and my missus will come yeah you got to sure. honestly it'd be really fun 100 percent. and uh thinking of disciples and the djs how deep is your love i think we're gonna get those yeah, yeah. get them all so. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be like love island yeah no, the dj they do a live set but um so yeah but um yeah i wish you all the success thank you and um 
when you are proud of yourself, yes. which won't be long, WhatsApp me. Yeah, I'll get back on to a Spencer. Come back on. <laughs> <laughs> me and Spencer <laughs> battling it out for the most the, times on it. The way he asked me, though, I, like, I feel like I can't say no. He's like, I'm coming on. I've got yeah. to talk to you. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. That's yeah. fine. I, I mean, when we hit 20 sites, I'll come back on. Okay, do it. That'll be like in yeah. a few weeks. Yeah. All right, dude. <laughs> See you soon. <laughs> Sweet. Oh, oh that's cool. Oh, that's